Hey everyone, I wanted to thank you for listening to another episode of Speed Bumps. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you're listening on Spotify, I would really appreciate if you clicked that five-star button. And if you're on Apple, you can click the five-star button and leave a written review if you're so inclined. If you're interested in coming on my show, you can reach out to me at speed.bumps.com podcast on Instagram. When you're driving, speed bumps force you to slow down. Some are big, some are small. Regardless of the size, they can really mess up your car if you go over them too fast. In this go, go, go world, society tends to have a negative view of speed bumps. But in my opinion, they don't have to be a bad thing. We all go through speed bumps in life, such as getting married, a spiritual awakening, having children, changing jobs, a trauma, and more. In this podcast, you will hear the various speed bumps that people have encountered and how those experiences have shaped them into the person they are now. Because every story has speed bumps, and that is what makes life interesting. everyone. I wanted to welcome you to another episode of Speed Bumps. And today with me, I have my friend Alex. I met Alex at a limb difference conference in Massachusetts, actually the one that I was mentioned with Nick in the previous episode. And I met him, what, in 20, help me out here, Alex, 2018? Uh, right, let's see. It's probably around 2018, 2017. Somewhere around. Yes. And Alex is a EMT and a firefighter and he just so happens to be missing part of his hand. And so I just, I wanted to have him on to talk about how he got into firefighting school. And at the last event that I was just at, he actually did a really cool demonstration of how he put on all his fire gear for the kids. Um, So thank you, Alex, for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. So first things first, I need you to tell me two things that you love about yourself, please. Well, one is, I think that I would say that I'm really open. I'm, I just, I say it how it is where I don't get to a point where I offend people, but I just say how it is to just be open about everything. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Like I'm open about my hand. I'm open about whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the other, another thing would be probably my communication ability. I love communicating with my friends and just talking with my friends. It's one of my biggest things. If you don't have communication, you don't have a good relationship. So I believe that me being able to communicate would be one of my strong points. Yeah. And I feel like that's true, whether it's family, friends, uh, a personal relationship, um, even work, like that ability to communicate, I feel like is a lost art for many people. Uh, It is, especially (laughs) my generation being in my twenties, my kids my age don't really have a lot of communication. They always are playing on their phones or the social media or whatever. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know people, I'm about 10 years older than you, if, people even my age, like, don't know how to shake a hand, right? Like, you, they, it's like this limp fish and, you know, I don't know. They don't even know how to shake a hand. They can't look you in the eye. It's, it's very odd. Very odd. <laughs> but, so, I don't ever notice these things now because they're totally normal to me. But is it your right or left hand that you're missing? And can you describe it or what the medical term is or whatever you want to talk about it? Yeah, so um, I was born without my left hand. Um, I was basically born with 
two, let's say two hands and everything, but the fingers on my left hand didn't develop all the way. Okay. Um, I still have the palm in my left hand, um, but I don't have the finger. So my left palm didn't develop as big as my right one is now. Okay. They kind of described it as a condition called symbractodactyly. Okay. Um, what I know about it, I, I have no idea what that means. All I know is I'm missing my left hand and that's what they called it. Yep. Um, I really don't care what they called it because it doesn't really affect me. Yep. I, I don't, it's who I am and it's me. So that's the medical term for it. But all I see is me with just myself. And do you have your thumb on your left hand or no? Nope. I have no fingers at all and okay. no thumb. Okay. I know some people, when they say fingers, they get really technical and they're like, but a thumb isn't a finger. And I just figured I'd ask because like I said, like when I go to these conferences, it's just, it's so cool to see you, we become the normal ones, right? We were talking about that in one of the youth meetings of we become the normal ones and we call everyone with 10 fingers normies. And it's just, it's fun. Yeah. There, the norm is five fingers or less. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great. So you started volunteer firefighting when you were in high school, right? So I started in my, let's see, 2017, in my, going into my sophomore year of college. Okay. I started in 20, July of 2018 with my hometown fire department. And why did you want to be a firefighter? And, you know, I've seen all your gear, you know, the coats, the gloves, and you mentioned a special glove, um, the respirator. If you could describe like putting some of that on and how you worked through all of that. Yeah. So um, I'll start a little bit from the beginning. I, um, when I was younger, I really wanted to join the military. I wanted to join the U.S. Army. If I have had family who's been in the military for as long as I can remember from all the way back from, as I can probably say, World War II to now. Same. And I just grew up being in a military family. Uh, I just really enjoy the aspect of serving the country, joining the brotherhood with the military and so forth. Um, but in high school, I found out I couldn't join because of me missing a hand. So yep. I'll be honest, I got really depressed. Um, it was not a good time for me, I would say. I didn't really show it a lot. I mean, there were some points where I showed my depression, but for the most part, I kind of hit it. Because yeah. no, nobody really needs to see that. Um, it's just for me personally. When I got into college, I was hanging out with my best friend. And we both decided that we f- basically found that our hometown fire department was h- hiring for volunteers. And we decided, why not? Let's just join. Mm-hmm. Because a few months prior, I um, watched a movie about some wildland firefighters out west who were killed in 2013. Mm-hmm. And I really fell in love with, you know what? Why don't I join that it'll kind of get me to the point where I want to be in the military, but it's still with my hometown, still serving my community. Yep. And so, so yep. I joined in July of 2018 with my best friend, Luke. And from there, we just been pushing forward with as many certifications and hurdles as we can to go through the fire service. Did you receive any pushback uh, when you tried to volunteer or like any questions by I guess the chief or lieutenants or anyone of like, Hey, how are you going to do this? So in the first fire department I joined, which was dissolved in 2020, which is now my regular fire department, but my old fire department, which was the North Coventry fire department. Um, I got no pushback. Everyone was great there. They were a the family. There's a lot of people who I grew up with around my hometown. Okay. Um, especially my deputy chief right now, who 
whose son I went to school with for I don't know how many years. Um, okay. I know him for as long as I can remember. So I really got no pushback from my fire department. They were a family to me. They're my brothers and sisters. So they never once denied me the ability to do anything I needed. In when I went to the fire school, that's where I got a little bit of pushback because no one really knew me there. I was a new person there, just like any other recruit or any yep. other um, cadet there, whatever. There was a few instances where I got a little pushback saying like, I can't do this because I have one hand. I won't be able to pass because I have one hand. Um, but there were a few loopholes I found along the way that I told them, listen, it do- that doesn't mean anything right here. If I can do it this way, technically I can, I can still pass, which I did. And honestly, a lot of my friends there said I did things a lot better than people with two hands. Um, <laughs> yep. I, don't see, I don't see it that way. I don't like to see it that way because we're all one. We're all a family. We're all in the same job. We're all brothers and sisters. Uh, I don't like to say I'm better than one or better than another. We're all together. We're all equal, whether we're paid or volunteer or in the same fire department. But yeah, I would say the fire school is where I hit my first hurdle of seeing the pushback about me having one hand in the fire service. So I can see how someone might say it's better, but I think you would agree with me. We just tend to do things differently because we were forced to think outside of the box all the time, whether it was, you know, growing up, tying our shoes or zipping zippers or that really basic stuff, right? Like if you want to carry a plate and a cup, like how are you going to do that? So maybe not better, just different. And people sometimes associate thinking outside the box with thinking outside the box with being better. They do. And I like, I like to see it as adaptability, like growing up with my family in the military with like my uncles and everything in the military, they always taught me to, you have to adapt to your situation. You have to adapt and overcome to whatever comes before you. And that holds truth to the fire service too. We have to adapt and overcome certain situations. Actually, really a lot of certain situations, especially when lives are on the line or properties on the line, we have to adapt and overcome to save what we can in front of us. Right. And you also are an EMT. And so when did you start that journey? Like around the same time or? So I graduated and got my certification as a firefighter in January of 2019. Okay. In May of 2019, I started my EMT school, which was a five week program that I got certified in. So by August of 2019, I got certified as an EMT through the state of Connecticut and through the national registry. Okay. If you had to choose one, I know in a lot of cases, firefighters can be both, right? Because if you're pulling someone out of a building or a car accident or things like that, having some type of medical training can be really valuable. Uh, But if you had to just say, okay, there's one or the other, and which one would you choose? So that's tough because in a rural fire department where I am, where we don't get a lot of fire calls, uh, the majority of our calls are EMS. So the majority of what we do is medical training and medical um, calls here. If you go to like a bigger city, let's say, for example, New York or Mm -hmm. Hartford, it's Mm -hmm. mainly you're running just fire calls with a few uh, medical calls in between. Okay. Um, So I don't have that much experience like the bigger cities do in the fire service, like in firefighting realm. Um, Most of what we do, most of what I do is medical um, calls. So I like to say that EMT is where I like to go. It's where I can excel more in my career because I can get, there's more jobs available as an EMT. Like I am right now, I have a full-time job as an EMT in my next town over. So there's more opportunity as an EMT than firefighter around my area. 
Okay. And I think when I saw you, you actually said you got recently promoted to lieutenant. Is that correct? Yep. So back in 2020, when our two fire departments in my hometown merged into one, they opened up a new selection of officers and I applied and I got the position of EMS lieutenant for my town. So I run, help run the EMS division with my captain and my deputy chief. That's cool. I know you were saying, um, we were kind of talking about this and you're like, yeah, you're like most people who get this, they've been in there for, you know, 20 years or whatever. So do you feel, how does that accomplishment feel being so young and having being given this responsibility? It's tough. When I got my promotion in 2020, I've only been in the department for two years. Um, and I took like I applied for the EMS position because I knew I had a little bit of experience in EMS, a little bit more than firefighting. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I can help the department more in that realm than I could in the fire and a fire officer's world. Not to say that I can't, I don't have fire ground authority. Like when I go onto a fire scene, I, I still have authority on like a fire scene or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in the EMS world, I tend to like that a lot more because of the opportunities I have. So I can help a lot more people that way. And especially in my area where we have more medical calls, I have more opportunities to help people, to meet people, to just help people in the worst times possible. So I feel like that's why I took that position and everything, being so young. Gotcha. So I, I've been on the ambulance a few times, and I know sometimes there's different terms ter- thrown around like EMT or medic and maybe something else in between. Uh, can you explain like what those different things are and uh, maybe if you'd want to stay within the EMS realm, but maybe change careers a little bit? Yeah, sure. So the basic level that you can start off with is just a CPR certification, which is CPR and basic first aid. You can move up from there to an EMR, which is an emergency medical responder. That's like the next step up. But again, it's basic stuff. There's not much an EMR can do. They can drive the ambulance and help in the back. But once you reach that EMT level is when you can be in the back with a patient by yourself and actually patient care by yourself you don't need to have anyone with you okay that's what i am right now i'm an emt and from there you can work up to an aemt which is an emt which connecticut does not have a lot of aemts anymore they kind of don't i don't want to say not recognize it but they don't really um push the certification as much because they want you to jump from emt to paramedic which is the highest level you can do in the um, pre-hospital field and would you ever consider becoming a paramedic or do you think you, you'll want to stay at EMT and maybe do something else in the medical field? So I'll be honest. So this past fall, I enrolled in paramedic school and I thought that's what I wanted to do as a career. It was, um, it was great. I had a great time with my classmates and everything, but once December-ish, no, end of November hit, I kind of realized I don't really want to be a paramedic. It's not what I want to do as a career. Okay. Um, a lot of other people feel like that's what they want to do. And that's great. We need paramedics in the field. There's a shortage of paramedics. I um, want to be there for my classmates when they graduate because they're all going to be phenomenal paramedics. But for me personally, that's not what I want to do as a career. So I kind of got out of that program to start looking at other possibilities for my future. That's cool. Do, uh, so I know when I would put on gloves, when I was in the lab, like I would tape down uh, like the thumb because that's the part of the hand that I'm missing. And do you, make any modifications to your gloves or do you just kind of like slip one on and do you have to wear different size gloves? Cause I'd wear different size gloves. Yeah. So I, that was a struggle when I first became an EMT, I needed to figure out how to put on a glove because if you can't put on a glove, 
you really shouldn't be working in a field with bodily right. fluids or um, gross stuff. Right, right. But so on my right hand, which is my, um, I, I'll just say for short, my normal hand. Yep. Um, I usually wear like a large, extra large glove, something, just a normal glove. Yep. For my left arm, I'll, what I do is take a small glove. I flip it inside out so the fingers are inside and put it on inside out. Okay. I can see that. And it usually holds great because it's small or even an extra small glove because it's really tight and everything. Yeah. Fingers are inside. I don't have anything flapping around. So for the for an EMT, that's what I figured out how to do. And it works great. I've been doing that ever since I started being an EMT. I really like that. I never considered, but I have never had to consider flipping it inside out because mine was only one. So I would just tape it. Um, but that's really cool. Did you come up with that or was did like someone suggest it to you or? No, so I had a few other ideas and everything, but kind of playing around with the glove, I kind of just tried that one day and I was like, wow, this actually works. So I stuck with it ever since and it hasn't failed me since. That's cool. Yeah, I had to wear, I'm trying to remember, I think it was like an extra small in my left hand and then usually like a smaller medium on my right. So the I always had to have two boxes of gloves at my station and the... Yeah, in my, tr- in my truck, when I uh, respond to medical calls with my personal truck, I um, I always carry two gloves, uh, two boxes of gloves, one extra large and one small. So sometimes by mistake, I'll grab two small and I get up on scene and I realize <laughs> I cannot fit into this. Yeah, I've so tried to put. I carry, thankfully, I carry enough gloves in my medical bag, but in that situation, it kind of like irks me that I don't realize I'm grabbing two of the same size gloves. Yeah, yeah. You're more focused on getting to the patient than yep. paying attention to that. I can see that. If I know um, at the Helping Hands event, you were talking about the firefighting glove. Can you just describe that a little bit and how that was modified? Yeah. So when I first started, when I first went to my fire school and everything, I started with just two normal size gloves. So I would have the fingers flopping around. Yep. And that actually did work. Like if in a situation today where I need to use that, I can still use that. Like having a glove with the fingers, it can get annoying sometimes, but it works just the same. Mm-hmm. Um, it protects my arms. That's all I care about is protection for myself. But my chief at the time, um, well, my chief now, who was a member at the time, sent off a glove for myself to someone he knew and had all the fingers lopped off and sewed with a certain type of thread so it doesn't mm-hmm. burn as quickly inside a fire. So now I just have a, a glove with no fingers on it that's a lot easier to use than a glove with fingers on. And I've been using that one ever since I became a firefighter as well at fires, vehicle accidents, or whatever I need to protect myself. Now, I know you'd mentioned the different size, um, like latex or vinyl gloves when you're an EMT because the palm is smaller. So did they also alter like the palm part of the glove or just lob off the fingers? So I I believe on that glove, they just lobbed off the fingers because the same thing with fire gloves, we have small, medium, large, extra large. So I think that we took either a small or medium glove. And okay, okay. I'm guessing it was a medium because it's it's not as it's it's not as tight as a small glove, but it's loose enough where I'm not feeling constricted inside the glove. Gotcha. Okay. I just I, I'm thinking about some of these things, and it's interesting to me how we both have limb differences, disabilities, whatever term you want to call it, but because our anatomy is different the way even just putting on gloves would be different do you have like your winter gloves modified too or do you never get that far 
Um, so I do. I have some medical, I mean, not medical gloves, some winter gloves that I do have modified. I got through Helping Hands. Okay. Um, quite a few years back, probably back in the early teens and everything. And by 2010, um, funny enough, uh, I don't like to use gloves when I'm out in the winter time for some, like, I'm not a big glove person. Like I'll put it on my right hand, but on my left arm, I can just tuck it inside my sleeve and it doesn't bother me. Gotcha. Sometimes I use it. Sometimes I don't. So the winter time is kind of a hit or miss. If you see me wearing a glove or not on my left arm. That's fair. I, uh, I've had some modified mittens and gloves and there was one time I had like an extra pair in the car, but they were modified for me and someone saw it and they're like, Oh, can you know, we were out doing something like, Hey, can I borrow those? And I'm like, only one is going to fit you. Like, I'm really sorry. (laughs) My dad gets upset because whenever he goes through the gloves in our box for the winter time, there's always, there's only left-handed gloves because I always take the right-handed gloves. So he never (laughs) has a full set of gloves to wear in the winter time. Oh, are you, so I, I had to ask this too. Are your arms the same length? Uh, well, if I'm looking at them now, technically, yes, up to the wrist of the arms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause like up to wrist. Yeah. Cause even if I put like mine together, my wrists don't even match up. That's why I was, it's all these like little things that I just find, I don't know. They're like just they're, so cool. They're not. Um, they're not the same, like they're the same length, but definitely not the same size because of course I use my right arm yeah. more than my left. Um, and I've gotten told that I need to, I need to like work out my left arm more to make sure that's even. And I'm not going to get hurt in the future with having two different size arms. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's called overuse syndrome for those who don't know. And I was actually talking about this with Megan and Mandy at the helping hands conference. Um, So if you're listening to this and you happen to have a limb difference or your kiddo does, what I would really encourage something super simple when you walk, I don't know if you do this, Alex, but like I only swing my quote unquote typical hand or normal hand. Like I know I never swing my left arm as I walk. And I was talking to my chiropractor and he's like, just start swinging both arms. It's going to feel so awkward. Um, But even just that and getting that motion, because my right shoulder is like, curled inwards from all the motion um you're gonna start to feel it here soon unfortunately uh that overuse syndrome it sucks yeah my right arm is definitely stronger than my left arm um it's it always has been because i've always used it more and right i mean not to say my left arm isn't strong but um you can definitely tell there's a difference in like muscle quality between the both arms oh yeah yeah the muscle mass is different like when I wear a tank top you can totally see even my shoulders are different sizes is it all the way up to your shoulders too or just more like your I don't know biceps right and oh I would say it's um probably all the way up to the shoulders okay. um like I can I it's not a huge huge difference but there's still a noticeable difference between my two arms um between the muscle mass did you ever, uh, either growing up or when you were older, have a kid that uh, maybe pointed out your hand? And kids can be curious, and kids are great most of the time when they ask questions. Or even an adult who was just, like, not giving up. Like, maybe you say, like, hey, I was born this way. And they're like, no, but really, what's your story? Like, they um, expected this oh, elaborate thing. Yeah, so I think I can only think of one time where I can say that. I don't remember it because I was so small, but my mom said there was one time when I was in preschool where I was bullied 
I don't remember it because it was so I was so young. Um, but for the most part, I don't see that much because I'm always the one who starts it. Gotcha. Um, I always start off the conversation either being weird about it or whatnot, just to make people <laughs> feel weird about it. Um, and then from there on, I usually don't get any pushback about it or whatever um, that will come about it. So here's a question. When you're dating and you're like, and you're single and you're looking for yep. someone new, did did you typically find people in person or did you use online things? So I tried both ways um, yeah. and everything. I always, it was hard for me because I always had that connotation towards my left arm. Like if people are going to want to date me or not, because yep. I'm missing my left hand yep. and it was tough. Like I never, I, I, in high school and beginning of college, I really didn't have many. I did hang out with quite a few girls and everything, but not to the point of dating wise. It was more of like a closer, closer friendship, Yeah. but never that relationship. I never really pushed for that. Um, I found my my girlfriend now we met on a dating app, which um, worked for me and everything doesn't work for some people works right. for some. Um, but did you, did you hide your hand in those pictures? Honestly, I can't remember because I, once I, we became boyfriend and girlfriend, I kind of deleted the apps. That's so I fair. don't really remember what photos I put on. I don't think I even had photos of my arm in there. Um, I don't even think I realized that I put, I would put photos of my arm in there. I just picked some random photos to put in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, even in then, I don't think I would have hit it. Um, I'd rather be open about it and be forward about it rather than hiding it and then finding out the day we meet. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I remember when I was dating, I was doing something similar where if I didn't bring it up before we met in person, it was like one of the first things that I brought up um, just to like throw it out there because I was like, I'm not going to waste however long this date is going to last for them to realize <laughs> and then have issues. So we're just going to like figure this out right at the beginning. Yep. Throw it out there and let them decide. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So here's a fun question. When you hold hands, what hand do you hold the other person's hand with? So this is actually a kind of, um, like an idea I was thinking of recently and everything. Um, I would hold with my right hand, but I'm, I don't want to say I'm not a big hand holder, yeah. but I'd rather have my only hand free. Yeah. I don't want to have it tied down and everything because it's my only hand. If yeah. I need it for something, um, I'm going to be on like holding hands, not holding hands, holding hands, not holding hands. Right. Um, so, I mean, I don't mind not holding hands. It's nice, um, sometimes and everything, but. For me personally, having that my only hand free is kind of, I don't want to say better for me, but sometimes I feel more myself if I have it free. Oh, yeah. No. So I hate holding my husband's hand with my right hand. It drives me nuts. I last about 30 seconds and I'm like, nope, I need it back. Like if I need to grab water or my phone or I fought like I, I need my right hand free. Um, but I joke that holding my left hand is perfect because then there's no fighting over whose thumb goes on top. And it just, it fits, right? It, it fits perfectly. Um, so I was just curious, like if we hold hands, it's only ever my left hand. Otherwise, <laughs> same reason, it bugs the shit out of me. I always thought about that situation too. If I um, met, if like I didn't meet a, like a girl who had like her missing her right hand and we both <laughs> are trying to hold our left, <laughs> my left arm and her right hand together, how that would work. So I, that was another one I always thought about how funny <laughs> the situation yeah. that would be. 
I thought about that. Have you thought about, um, with yours, it's highly, highly, highly unlikely because yours isn't genetic. Have you thought about having kids born like you? Like what you might do in that situation? So I did. Um, I, I wouldn't mind either way. I don't care um, whatever my kid has. Like mm-hmm. if they're, I don't want, I hate to say this, but if they're normal or, or if they have some sort of disability or whatever, I don't care. Um, but I always thought about, I was like, wow, you know what? If I had a kid missing their hand as well, how cool that would be to have like father or son or father and daughter having um, both having uh, missing limb difference and everything. Yeah. Like, I don't want that on my kid, but if that happens, um, exactly. how like, like not fascinating, but how like cool and like how much of a bond we'll have together, but both missing an arm. Well, that, and like, you'd actually be able to teach them. Whereas like my parents can teach me how to tie their shoes because they have 10 fingers. Right. Um, they, they tried like love them to death, but like, it's, it's different. Right. Um, I know at one point when I was younger, I was even considering like, what if I adopted kids that had limb differences because then you know I could relate and I don't I don't think now at that point in my life I'm there but at one point I did consider that yeah I would like it would be awesome that I would be able to teach my own kid how to do things one-handed because not a lot of people can teach um a limb difference kid how to do certain things because they don't know it's not their fault they just don't know how to do things without um both hands um Funny enough, you brought up the um, two sh- shoe tying because um, my, my parents, my family could never teach me growing up. I never knew how to tie my shoes growing up until I hit middle school. And the funny story is one of my best friends growing up, his name was Noah, in the locker room before PE class one day, we literally have five minutes to get changed. And he literally showed me one day how to tie my shoe right then and there. And from there on, I knew how to tie my shoe right in the locker room. He showed me once and it stuck with me. And he just used like he didn't use like all 10 fingers. He just used five. Honestly, I think he used all 10 fingers, but he did it a certain way that just stuck with me. And it was like, Oh, I can do that that way. And now I can tie my shoes just as fast as kids with two hands. That's awesome. I, uh, I remember I was like, maybe like kindergarten age. Right. So like that age that they're trying to like push, really tie your shoes, really tie your shoes. And I remember sitting on the stairs of my parents' house and like sitting there, like, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And I figured it out. And I then come around the corner and I was like, look, I tied my shoes. And they're like, no, you just slipped those on. I was like, no, really? And they're like, all right, show me. And I did it. And at that point, I'd done it a few times so I could do it pretty quick. And they're like, show me again. Like, (laughs) that's pretty cool. Show me again. Even like when I go to work now, like I, when I got my new job back in August, I still have um, coworkers come up to me. It was like, I need you to, I need to see how you tie your shoe. So I, I do I have to do it even at work too, to show them. And they're, they're all fascinated. It's not like yeah. they're being mean about it. They're just like fascinated about how I can tie my shoe with one hand. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. Um, a lot of people don't realize is, and I'm going to speak just for myself, but I'm okay with people asking me questions about my hand. It's just don't be a jerk about it. Like exactly. if you're if you're genuinely curious, you can ask questions. Just be nice about it. Yeah, exactly. Just don't overdo it and everything. Um, yeah. If you if you overdo it and you're a jerk about it, well, I may uh, make up some stories and be a jerk about it back and everything and make you feel bad. <laughs> but, um, but for the most part, yeah, just be open. A lot of people with missing limb differences are open about it. Yeah. And everything. 
they don't care. It's how they are. It's their life. It's how they grew up. They don't know different. Yeah. So it's them. Yeah. And uh, if your kid like points out like, Hey, that person is missing a leg or Hey, that person's missing a hand. What happened? Uh, Don't be mortified. Like don't shush them. Like that's going to make everything worse. Like we're not some scary monsters. Um, Maybe just like explain to them, like everyone's different or encourage them to go up to the person and ask a question. And don't be mortified if a limb different person takes off their prosthetic leg and be like, uh, yeah, I got this in a shark attack or whatever. So don't be mortified if they come up with funny stories for the kids to see. So my uncle lost his leg in a motorcycle accident. And I had had some cousins who married into the family. So they didn't know that he had a prosthetic or anything like that. And we were up camping and he told him to join the family. They were going to have to put their foot in the fire. So he stuck his prosthetic leg in the fire and his shoe started to melt. But it was his prosthetic like he obviously couldn't feel anything. And they were just like fascinated and like they almost started to do it because they were, I don't know, like pre-teens, early teens. Um, he was totally willing to burn up his prosthetic leg just for shits and giggles. Like it's expensive too to burn off a prosthetic leg. And uh, but yeah. P- people we like to make jokes of it. I've definitely um scared quite a few kids when I was younger, especially at the beach, saying that there's sharks in the water. Um, so, I mean, I find it funny because you know what? It kind of starts a conversation. It starts off, uh, in a laughing mood yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, but sometimes kids don't find it funny. So I kind of feel bad, <laughs> but then again, it's who I am. Like if they want to come back up and ask me questions, come up and back and ask me questions. I don't yeah. care, but, um, I'll make funny stories for as long as I can about it. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. It becomes so normal to me that I don't realize that I do something different until honestly, I go to like these conferences and I see them, other people who have different, different, different differences doing it so differently. That's a lot of difference. Sorry, guys. Um, (laughs) And then I then can start doing, it's like my thinking outside of the box becomes bigger. Like, have you ever gone to a conference and you're like, oh, I could totally do this this way. And like, do you know what I'm trying oh, to say? quite a few times, especially with helping hands. Yeah. A lot of um, limb difference um, people coming in, especially speakers coming in and talk about what they do and everything. And I think like, oh, I would love to do this, but I could also do it this way instead. Kind of making it your own in the way. That's like how like adapt and overcome comes into play. You see something you like to do and you see how someone does it and you kind of take what they do and adapt it to your own disability your own difference and make it your own did you ever um try and get a prosthetic either as a kid or as an adult like maybe through enable or anything like that so i i've gotten quite a few prosthetics i'm not a big fan of prosthetics at all um for myself let's say um prosthetics work great for other people for me it never worked great Mm -hmm. i never needed a prosthetic to do anything um i got my recent prosthetic back in august of 2022 of last year uh for paramedic school to help me possibly intubate patients when I'm in um, the lab or in the hospital setting. Um, but it, I just never found a prosthetic work for me. I could always do things without a prosthetic much easier than I can do with a prosthetic. It always just got in my way when I tried to do things. I've, I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, I'll echo the fact that, you know, what works for one 
you know, maybe won't work for the other and vice versa. And so this isn't a bashing against prosthetics or anything. But what I found is if you're born with a difference, an upper limb difference, I'll say, um, because obviously walking is a little bit different, but an upper limb difference, I don't know really of anyone who consistently uses a prosthetic. Now, if you're in an accident, I felt like that's the difference because you're so used to doing it one way. Yeah, like, especially like being born with it compared to losing it in an accident when you're older, it's a lot different. For us who are born with a limb difference, we don't know different. It's who we are. We've grown up learning how to do things with one hand when kids are learning how to do it with two hands. Right. With people who lose in an accident, as you said, they knew how to do things with two hands. And all of a sudden, just like that, they have one hand or no arms. So it's a lot harder for them to overcome that. Not saying that it's impossible, but they have a lot more challenges ahead to learn how to do things all over again. Well, and it's more things abruptly instead of like a natural course. Like when you're little, you're naturally learning how to tie your shoes and feed yourself and pull up your pants and all this other stuff. Whereas if you're 25 in an accident and you know how to do things and all of a sudden you have to completely relearn everything, that's where I feel like prosthetics are more likely to be helpful, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that too and everything. Like for us, like we know how to do things without prosthetic. Sometimes it helps us a little bit more to have a prosthetic, but we don't need it in order to do things in life. Right. Um, I always think of the fact that it's like a prosthetic can always fail in life, the electronics in it, the mechanics in it. And if you don't know how to do things without a prosthetic, it's going to be a lot harder for you. So I always feel like you should learn how to do things without a prosthetic first. And then go to the prosthetic, which is the machinery and the technology to do things better or easier, for say. Um, but for us, I think a prosthetic is just one of those like glamorous things in life that we can get to like either show off or um, maybe just help us on the little things. But for the most part, we don't need prosthetics in order to live our lives. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I uh, There has been the suggestion thrown around by a few doctors for me of getting a prosthetic for my left arm, just because I have so many uh, like issues with my right for overuse syndrome. But then I've talked with people, you know, people like you and other people and they're like, you're going to spend so much time trying to figure out how to hold a cup that you're just going to get frustrated. And this prosthetic that you had invested all this time and money into is going to become a great piece in the closet floor of your closet. Like, yeah, mine's sitting in my closet on my shelf right now. Exactly. <laughs> it becomes a thing to just like kind of show people in a party trick as opposed to an everyday uh, tool. Yep, mine's in there right now to uh, a show-off piece. So if somebody goes in my closet and they say like, oh, what is that? I was like, oh, it's a prosthetic I never use. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other speed bumps that you wanted to tell people about? I could guess, but like this is, you're in control here. Um, I don't know. They're, my biggest ones were the fire service and everything. And when I was at Helping Hands, I wanted to show the kids that, yeah, there's a lot of people who want to join the military, but they couldn't with an upper limb difference yep. or a limb. They can, they can join the fire service, no problem. We accept anyone that wants to help us, whether it's in administration work, um, field work, or whatever, training. The fire service is there for everyone. Um, they, My fire department accepted me and everything with an upper limb difference and they never looked back on me twice to saying I can't do it now I'll joke around saying like oh no I can't do that I have one hand so I'm gonna sit this one out um they won't let me sit it out because I know I can do it so but the biggest hurdle was 
the fire service where I thought I couldn't do it, but I realized I can do everything just the same as anyone else, any other, my brothers and sisters in the fire service. So it wasn't necessarily someone else telling you you couldn't, it was your own mental block that you had to get over personally. For the most part, yes, there were a few people who kind of pushed me away, not pushed me away, but like said, I can't do certain things. But for the most part, it's me getting over my own mental block to say that I can actually do this and I can actually move forward with what I want to do in life. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that's a good life lesson, whether you have a limb difference or not of we all second guess ourselves, you know, can I do this? Should I do this? Am I able to do this? Um, Whether it's training for a marathon or trying to lose weight or a new diet or uh, whatever you want to start a new craft or I don't know, cook, pick something, right? Uh, We all question ourselves and having that, I guess, mental fortitude to just be like, nope, this is really what I want to do. It's probably going to be hard, but that's okay. Hard doesn't mean bad. No, hard just means you're going to have to do things different. You're going to have to work a little bit. You will probably have to work a little bit harder and everything, but it doesn't mean it's going to be hard or impossible. It's just, you're going to have to do things different. Yeah. The, uh, when you were talking about the fire service and why, so, so let me rephrase. I know you said you wanted to be in the military because, you know, your family was in the military and there was that part. Um, and, and I get that my f- similar thing, except mine was the Navy. But do you think that your ability to get in with the fire service was different because you were in a smaller town and these people knew you? Because you had mentioned, you know, uh, the chief or whatever, you grew up with his son and things like that. So because you were around all these people. They already knew that you could do things. Do you think it'd be different if they, these people didn't know you? Um, I think it would be a little bit different and everything. Um, but for the most part, I believe it would be somewhat similar. I still had to work my way through. I still had to prove myself that I can actually do things just like anyone else would have to do. I had to prove that I can actually, let's say, haul hose line, um, put on my gear in a certain amount of time put up a ladder. I still have to prove all those things regardless if I had one hand or not. Um, but I feel like because I knew a few of the people in the fire department, they kind of took me under their wing and helped me out to help me to where I am today. Um, so I feel like it kind of goes both ways. It could have been the same, but it could have been different. Um, I'll never know because um, this is where I started. Right. Um, so I can never go back and like go back in time and like join like a different fire department before I joined this one. So right. But for the most part, I think it would be somewhat the same and everything. I still prove myself along the way and build up the reputation that I have to other people knowing that, hey, I can actually trust this guy and the guy can actually do things the same as us. To do fire school, can anyone sign up for fire school? Do you have to be recommended or like volunteer for a certain amount of time first? Or how does that work? So for the, um, for the fire school I went to, it was more for the volunteer side. Okay. Um, it's still the same training you would get inside the Connecticut Fire Academy, um, but just on a lesser scale. Okay. Uh, so if you you have to join a fire department in order to go to the fire school that I went to, okay. so you have to be a volunteer fire department. Now, if you went to the fire academy um, for the state of Connecticut, you can pay for it yourself, and hopefully you can get a job after that. Um, but for the most part, a lot of people join 
fire departments or get hired on fire departments and then get sent to the fire academy. Okay. Okay. I, cause I know, um, I feel like the police academy works really similarly where it's kind of like you said, if you kind of have to be hired on and then they kind of like pay for you to go to the police academy, it's more common to do it that route. Yeah, it's very more common. Like I'm not too aware of the police academy. I, I don't know much about it as much as I do with the fire service and the fire academy. Um, but I would assume it would work more of the way that you'd have to get onto the job first and then they'll send you to get to the police academy. So is the best way to get onto this job, if you wanted to become a full-time firefighter, it would be starting as a volunteer firefighter? So I always like to say that um, a lot, like, it's better to start as a volunteer. You can see if you like the job first. You don't have that full-time commitment and everything. A lot of the people that I know who are full-time firefighters now got their start as a volunteer when they were younger. Okay. Um, You can join um, like apply to become on a paid fire department with no experience and they'll send you to the fire academy. You'll get your training there. But for like a lot of these rural towns, a lot of the career guys get their start in these rural towns where they see if they like the job first, build up a little bit of experience and then see if they can get hired on a full-time fire department. Do you have to be 18 to be a volunteer firefighter or a volunteer EMT? Well, so in the state of Connecticut, there's so many different ages. You can become like in our fire department, you can become a junior fire fighter at the age of 14 um you can become an emr at the age of 14 you can become an emt at the age of 16 and then at 18 you can become a national registry or national registered emt and a firefighter at 18 um so what would a junior firefighter do and would they also have to go to like that volunteer fire school so they wouldn't go until they're 18 but when they're 14 all the way through 18 there's different um like summer camps or summer um like academies for cadets that they can go to to start learning what it takes to become a firefighter. They get a little bit of experience at fire scenes or accidents. They can help us on the backside, like changing the bottles for our breathing apparatus okay. um, and equipment for us from the trucks and putting it down on the pavement for us. They still are a crucial part of the fire um, scene for us. They help us like people don't think they help us. They, they're tremendous help on the scene and everything. Oh yeah. I, everyone, uh, in emergency situations is helpful. I was just curious as to what a, honestly, I was curious what a 14 year old could do at a fire scene. I didn't think that they could go into a burning building. Um, but I was curious as to what some of the tasks, so that's really cool that they can get experience with the things and understanding how things work and watching. So then if they do decide for this to become a career, they have that experience. And also I feel like it gives you a respect for then, uh, the 14 year olds or 15 year olds maybe that are helping too, because they've been there. Yep. I have a lot of respect and a lot of like praise for these kids in high school who are joining the fire department as a junior, because you don't see a lot of kids nowadays doing things like that. These kids are taking their time to learn how to serve the community while they're still in high school, while they're still getting an education. And then once they're done with high school, they can start serving as a full-time firefighter or EMT along with everyone else and everything. So they have that little bit of training beforehand. And once they get to be an adult, they know what they're doing with the fire service. Yeah, no, I think that's phenomenal. Do, uh, so is it just typically like a weekend call or like, can they be on call whenever, as long as they're not in school? So some departments, um, allow their, um, 
junior firefighters to, let's say, leave school early. Um, like one of the departments I used to work at um, for a paid my when I was on the ambulance there, some kids like when they're I believe juniors or seniors have pagers in school can actually leave class and jump on the ambulance with us and help us out during calls. Um, I know Coventry used to do that, my hometown, but now they kind of got away with that. They haven't done that in years. Some services still allow that, but um, usually it's after school or the weekends when they're primarily going to help us. And then like usually until 10 or 11 at night because they can't go all night because of course school, they need to be rested to get their education. But whenever they can help us, they usually help us out. That's awesome. That is really cool. I, I know we've talked very briefly about fire stuff. Usually when at helping hands, it's about everyday stuff. So I didn't know like 98% of this, uh, this has been really, really cool. Is there anything else you wanted to leave the listeners with? Uh, maybe if you, they want to find you on Instagram, can they, uh, things like that? Yeah, of course. Um, I think my handle for Instagram is one hand, one nub. Okay. Um, It'll be in the show notes, so I'll, yeah, I'll make sure it's correct. Uh, yeah, you can always reach me there. Um, in the show notes too, I um, should, um, I gave you my email as well. Mm-hmm. You can always reach out to my email. Those are probably the e- best ways to contact me. I'm always checking my email. If anyone has any questions, of course, just shoot me an email or find me on Instagram. Um, and I'd be love to talk with you or get together and just talk about certain things and maybe maybe get into the fire service if you have an upper limb difference or, or a lower limb difference. Or disability. Um, I would love to just talk to get more people involved in fire service so they know they can actually do this job. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And everything will be in the show notes, guys. And Coventry's in Connecticut. So if you're in the New England area, um, let us know. I'm also in Connecticut with Alex. So, you know, we can uh, all meet up and if it's fire, that, that's Alex's thing. If it's limb differences, I'll be there. Uh, But yeah, thank you everyone for listening and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day.